Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. All right, I, I want to I preach for a little bit and then hopefully get back into praying in Jesus' name. Uh, I, lo- I, love, uh, I love the presence of God. No, nothing better than it. And honestly, at the end, I'm going to invite people to come forward. And, and I, just, I just, every time I'm here, I, just, I feel like I see a river of healing down here on the front of the altar. And the question is just whether or not you want to get in on it. You know what I'm saying? So don't stay distant from the altar when you're dealing with something. You know what I mean? That, that's the last thing you want to do. Always engage. Always lean in. Okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 12 uh, says this, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. This is a tongue twister. They are not wise. They're not wise. Why aren't they wise? Because of the massive destructive nature of comparison. And I just felt God called me to lean in on this topic for a little bit because comparison is a thief. Comparison robs us, literally robs us blind. So many people in our world today have been absolutely decimated by living in this space of comparison, right? Those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise, yet literally social media has designed our entire life to compare ourselves among ourselves, right? That's literally what so much of the reality that we all face every day is this constant comparison game that tends to rob, that tends to steal. It's one of the ways, you know, the Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Comparison is one of the tools that he uses to absolutely suck the life out of you and me, okay? So Genesis chapter 3 kind of gets jumped right into this from the beginning. Satan has been using this tool for a while. It says, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Right? So he says, you will not surely or certainly die, the serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who mysteriously was quiet during this entire exchange. First case of husbands abdicating the responsibility and hence the fall of man. Okay. Step it up. Not this crew, though. Not emerged men. Not up in this house. Come on. Let's go. 300 strong on Tuesday. Let's go. Let's go. It was amazing. Um, 
So anyways, he was silent and they ate it and their life was horrible afterward. Okay, so not, not a good situation. So here's, here's part of the problem with comparison that we see from the jump is it, it causes us, comparison causes us to assume the worst about God. And God is trying to protect them. He's given them everything and he gives them a tree and says, don't eat that. You have everything else. And there's a lot of reasons why God did that. But then the enemy tries to come in and go, no, 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 no. God's, God knows you're going to be like him. And he, try, he starts to get them to try to compare themselves to God. He creates the first unhealthy, unright comparison. Now, we are created in the image of God. We are sons and daughters of God, but we are not God, right? My children are offsprings of Katie and I. They carry our DNA. They're our children. They are heirs to our life, but they are not the parents. They are children. Parents and children are different, okay? We are not God. We are made in the image of God and carry the the DNA and carry the authority and carry his stewardship on earth, but we're different. But the enemy was kicked out of heaven because he tried to do that. Right? Satan from the beginning tried to get, tried to say, hey, I should ascend to the throne. This should be me. This should be my glory. This should be my throne. And he got kicked out because he forgot who he really was. But, but Satan said, hey, when you taste this, that's when wisdom starts. But if you remember reading in Proverbs, Solomon says, actually, wisdom starts when you put God in the right place. Don't, 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 you're not, we're not here to compare ourselves to God. We're here to be children of God, to walk in his ways. But God sits enthroned above heaven and he has good for us and designs good for us, sees beyond what we see, sees beyond the natural, sees beyond your current circumstances. And so when we learn to actually look to God as a provider, look to God as our, as our provision, then he actually begins to bring healing and blessing and freedom and breakthrough into our lives, but comparison gets us to start thinking the worst of God, assuming that God had better for somebody else than for you, and he's actually holding out on you, okay? Comparison also does this. It tricks you into giving up your value and your worth. Man, that's what comparison does. It robs you. It gets you to give away your best, Get you to give away what God really designed for you. Man, God gave Adam and Eve paradise. They had everything. They had perfection. I doubt there was mosquito bites. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. Now, in San Diego, people don't really know about mosquito bites. That was more of a Minnesota thing I just chucked out. Minnesota, the mosquito is the state bird of Minnesota. Man, those things will just own you. They will own you. And they'll just, they'll taunt you while they're doing it. They're in your arm, just hitting a main vein. They're just blowing up with your blood and they just stare you in the eyes and don't care. But comparison tricks you into giving up. So Adam and Eve lost all the good that God had designed for them. But because they got into a comparison thinking God was holding out, thinking God didn't have the best in mind for them, they end up giving up the good that God had stored up for them, chasing down something that wasn't actually even theirs in the first place, right? 
So it causes us to get into that space. Then Genesis chapter 4 continues with, with their offspring. Uh, Cain and Abel, not a great scene, but uh, Cain and, or Adam and Eve start having kids. They have Cain, they have Abel. And it says this um, in, verse, in verse 3, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, do not do what is right. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother, he didn't really take that advice very well from God. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. So be careful of that language if you have a friend where there's been some tension, okay? While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So literally, comparison became a killer in this situation, literally of, uh, of his brother, but then he was marked with, uh, with a curse as well because of, of walking that out. But the thing is, Cain, God, the, the narrative doesn't say that God weighed the two offerings and decided I like Cain better than, or Abel better than I like Cain. There, there was a right way and a wrong way to bring offering. God had obviously given that directive to, to their parents, and so they knew what was acceptable when it came to an offering. Cain chooses not to do it. God says, you know, kind of gives him the 3X buzzer, or, you know, kind of a deal over his offering, accepts Abel's offering, and he gets mad at his brother unnecessarily, Right? He gets mad at his brother for God accepting him rather than dealing with his own situation, right? So here's what comparison does. It assumes that I don't have because you have. That's one of the things that comparison does in our life. Man, it messes with us to start seeing our family, our friends, our brothers, our sisters as enemies of our favor. But nobody in this room can steal the favor that God has for you. Nobody can take it. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And somebody else in this room getting blessed does not stop you from being able to receive blessing in your life, right? So comparison also assumes that to have, I need to take from what you have. Socialism, okay? Right? Right? This has been going on for a while since the garden. Just, you know, the, the extremes love to pick up on Satan's leading quite often. But this whole concept, it's not just a political thing. We can all get into this sort of narrative and start do- talking poorly about somebody who's experiencing blessing because we start comparing ourselves to them and go, well, uh, how come they should have that, Right? Um, how, how come they're getting blessed? I should get that. And instead of going to God to say, God, how do I walk in your favor? We go, well, I'm going to take what you have because it's not right that you should have and I don't have. But that's not, that's not how God's blessing and favor works. You start comparing yourself, and here's the problem. God has different favor for you, something specific for you to walk in and grab onto. And when you are so focused on what everybody else is getting, you actually miss out on the custom-made, handcrafted favor that God has for your life. You don't need somebody else's favor. 
God's got favor with your name on it. God's got something specific for you to walk in. So you don't have to compete. You don't have to compare yourself amongst yourself and try to go, man, who does God love more? I'm telling you what, he loves everybody. And like Pastor Jurgen says, he's no respecter of persons. He's respecter of principles. Cain could have just said, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I know what I should have done. I didn't do it. And I'm going to bring an acceptable offering to you. And everything would have shifted for Cain and Abel. This was not complicated. Cain could have lived a full, blessed life if he had walked in everything that God has for him. Comparison tries to get you to take value that isn't yours while disregarding your own value. That's kind of what I was just saying. We, we can devalue so much what God has put on us because we look and we start comparing. We start looking around the room. We start looking around social. We start looking around the office. We start looking around the neighborhood. And we can get into a place where we are constantly trying to chase the value on, that God has put on somebody else rather than receiving what God has for you, Right? Rather than walking in that value, rather than walking in that favor that God has on your life. Amen? Amen. Comparison's a liar, right? Whispers all kinds of things to us. It's a cheater. It's a mocker. Comparison literally makes a mockery of us. But we don't have to, we don't have to live that way. Right? We don't have to live in a constant state trying to get somebody else. I think about the parable of the talents where the, the owner or God in this story gives a different sum of money, gives one kind of sum of money to an individual, gives kind of double that to somebody else, gives five of that to somebody else. He goes away, comes back. The guy with five doubles makes it 10. The guy with two doubles makes it four. The guy with one buries it, right? And he makes up a story about how his master, God, is a hard man. And, and I can imagine uh, that possibly some comparison and frustration may have set in from this guy going, man, you gave the other guy double and you gave the other guy five times what you gave me. So almost like instead of enjoying and being thankful for what God had given him, he sits on it, is mad about, you know, how God is cheating him and not giving him his due. And man, well, why would he think that? Except for that he had compared himself to the other two people and what God had given them. But that's not our responsibility to to worry about what God has given other people. Our responsibility, and it's not just responsibility, our joy, our peace, our grace, our flow in life is determined on our ability to say, thank you God for what you've given me. I'm I'm gonna multiply what you've given me. I'm not gonna worry about that if I feel like I got more or less, right? If you're a parent, you know, dividing out food portions is a big thing. You know what I'm saying? Can I get an amen out there for the parents of young kids, right? You know, you'll find out real quick, you do the old divide and split method, right? One person cuts, the other person chooses. You've never seen a more well-divided cookie in your entire life. When one sibling has to cut it and the other one has to choose, you know what I'm saying? But we can get into this place in our lives where we are comparing and competing. And whenever I've gotten to that spot in my life where I started looking around at everybody else and what God was doing in their life, what does it do? Creates frustration in me, maybe towards God and towards people. Gets me second guessing myself, 
gets me stopping pursuing everything that God has for me. And what happens is, is we give up all the good God had chasing somebody else's favor, which is not ours, and we can never obtain it. That's part of the challenge with comparison. You cannot have somebody else's favor that God marked out for them. It's not your assignment. It's not your gift. It's not your blessing. It's not your favor. That's on them. Let them have it and celebrate the heck out of it. And you run after obedience and honoring God and multiplying what you've been given and watch your life be filled with joy and peace and strength and hope. That's the best place to be. I remember years back in the Northwest, when, uh, you know, working at a church up there and I'd served in a couple of different areas and there was a new campus kind of being opened and, and uh, I, I wasn't really clear kind of, I think, on what God had next for me. And I just thought, well, you know, this is kind of the next thing, you know, seemed like the right move to go after. So I was kind of expecting, okay, my hat's, my name's probably gonna be in the hat for this, you know? And uh, I was kind of chasing after something, honestly, that wasn't mine. But I, I really wanted it because I was in a comparison and competing mode of what I thought I should be, where I thought I should be, expectations from kind of different circles. And all of a sudden when that opportunity got passed to somebody else, man, that was, that was difficult. But I'm so thankful for it because it actually sent me into an incredible season of actually drilling down into what's my favor. What's my calling? What am I here to do? Well, why am I chasing everything else that somebody else, God's got marked out for them or just chasing an expectation by culture or whatever the situation would be? What if I just really leaned in and just said, okay, God, what's, what's actually on me to do? What's my call? What's my purpose? And I'll tell you what, I've never found more joy when I actually embraced what God gave me, when I leaned into the call, when I stepped into that area of purpose, that's when I just found, man, I just found life. And I stopped being so worried about what everybody else around me was doing or achieving or or getting the award for that or the accolade for this or the promotion for that. I was able to just celebrate because I'm going, listen, I'm done with trying to just always compare and contrast myself to what's around me. I'm going to actually lean in and trust God for what God has for me. And as I've done that, God opens up the doors. God brings favor to you. When you, when you pursue God's goodness and His call for your life, man, you're gonna find blessing. You're gonna find all the garden of Eden that God designed for you rather than the thorns and thistles that you get when you try to compare and compete and chase somebody else's favor. I'm gonna end with this verse and then we're gonna pray. Second Corinthians 10, I read at the beginning. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Notice that. They commend themselves. So we're not just generally comparing to people who have equal understanding of their identity. This is saying, stop competing with people who are not even walking in their God assignment. They're like self-proclaimed whatever. They commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. Skip down to verse 18, it says, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. 
you know what? Even in the pursuit of the same, I'm just gonna walk after my call. You know, you don't find the totality of your purpose and your call and your identity and your gift and your talent just in yourself. That, that's what the world does apart from God and it still has levels of emptiness where you can never truly find your stride. It starts in who you are in Christ and then it flows out of your identity. So your value is not placed on you by commending yourself or by somebody else approving of you. Your value first starts with your heavenly father when he puts his stamp on you and says you're loved, you're valued, you're mine. He went to the cross for every single one in this room. You have infinite value. And because of that, then you can walk in your identity and your purpose because it flows out of that. But when we're trying to get approval from other people in the world who are all out there commending themselves, you know, trying to give themselves the attaboys rather than actually leaning into what God has for their life. So tonight, as we're trying to resist and run from the, the comparison thief here, it's gotta start with coming back to who you are in Christ. Not chasing identity and every other thing or in my work or in my bank account or in my associations or in my Rolodex, not that we have those anymore, but you know. But my identity first, it's gotta start. It's gotta start in who you are as a son or a daughter of heaven. And when you can truly say, God help me to walk in true peace and who I am in you. When you walk in that way, Oh man, shoulders are back, heads up, whatever comes your way, you're ready to take it, you're ready to face it, and you're not worried about every opinion, every, you know, you know, how many likes you do or don't get on a post, right? Like you're you're just pursuing the call of God on your life and the purpose that God has for you. And in that place, you're gonna find peace. In that place, you're gonna find hope. Amen. If you got some other word, give God a hand clap of praise. I want you to stand with me to your feet and I want to pray with you. <clears throat> First of all, real quickly here tonight, at the beginning I said, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to Christ. If you're here tonight and you're away from God, you've never made the decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I need that identity piece. I've been trying to fill the voids all in myself, but I need you, Jesus. I need your healing power. I need your salvation to come and rescue me. On the count of three, if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand. I want to pray with you right where you're at. One, two, three. Just go and lift up your hand. If you say, that's me. Great. Awesome. Great. Anybody else who says, that's me? Amazing. Awesome. Anybody else who says, that's me? You need to give your life to Christ maybe for the first time. Maybe, maybe you've been away for a while and you're coming back home. This is like you just know God's speaking to your heart right now. Anybody else? Lift your hand up nice and high. Don't want to miss anybody. Awesome, great. Church, let's pray this real quick. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and raise him from the dead to give me life. I follow you with all my heart for the rest of my life. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. 
or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.